Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, fellow Sark Fighter Tony Haskell shares the story of how sarcoidosis attacked his heart. And then I started noticing that um, I would get up from a table and I'd be just a little bit dizzy. And Tony is one of those healthy, fit people who never saw it coming. And also it got to a point where I'd have to stop every five minutes because I was so heavily fatigued and dizzy. It's all coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 83 of the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin, and this episode is brought to you by Atire Pharmaceuticals. To learn more about their new pulmonary sarcoidosis trial called EFSOFIT, visit stopsarcoidosis.org slash Atire Trial. That's A-T-Y-R Trial. And there is a link in the show notes. And I'll be talking a little bit more about ATIRE here in this episode because I want you to be looking for a bonus episode that will be released here in the next few days because on Saturday, just two days ago, prior to what I'm recording right now, FSR hosted another town hall meeting. This time it was on the prospect of a new drug that's on the horizon that could replace prednisone as the first line of defense for sarcoidosis patients. And we've talked about prednisone at length here on the Sark Fighter podcast, but basically it's a double-edged sword because prednisone works. It takes down that inflammation that's causing all the damage, but it has so many side effects that are detrimental to a person's health, to their attitude, to, to their mental health, and it, and it can have long-lasting physical effects on your body as well if you are forced to stay on prednisone for a long time. Well, ATIRE has come up with a drug or is, is working through a very long and expensive process on a drug that could replace prednisone as that first line of defense. So FSR asked me to moderate the discussion with Sanjay Shukla, the CEO of ATIRE, whose drug Efsofitamod is now in stage three of the clinical trials, which means they're right on the verge of having FDA approval. So joining us on this panel were FSR patient advocate and navigator and fellow SARC fighter and friend, Jim Kuhn, um, who's, uh, who fights sarcoidosis every day, but he is like the uber volunteer when it comes to helping FSR out and helping fellow patients out. Also on the panel was Dr. Shambu RL of Enova Health and then FSR CEO, Mary McGowan. And together, all of us looked at how ATIRE still needs participants in the clinical trial to prove the effectiveness of Efsofitamod. These clinical trials are are not easy, and it'll be a year from when the last person is recruited and participates before they can study and publish the results and hopefully move forward in the next step towards approval. But basically, stage three is where you start looking for that FDA approval. So we're so close to getting it drunk. 
done. This drug has, has been proved safe in the initial trials. Uh, they're very encouraging. Some patients have been able to wean themselves off of prednisone without having flares while taking esofitamide. So again, all the key players were in the room talking about how there is hope on the horizon. And as soon as I get the audio file from that town hall, which was recorded, I will produce it up and I will put it out there as a bonus episode. Okay. Another thing I have to tell you about that I am very excited about. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is proud to host the inaugural Sarcoidosis Crystal Awards Gala, celebrating connections, collaboration, and catalyzing research. It'll be on May 24th in Washington, D.C., bringing together the sarcoidosis community. This will be an evening that celebrates clinicians, researchers, and advocates from all around the globe, I mean worldwide, who are leading the charge to advance SARC research and, if you will, carve a path toward better treatments and a cure. And early bird tickets are available until March 31st of 2023. Go to stopsarcoidosis.org, the FSR website, to learn more. Well, so some of you may be aware, and I announced this on the previous podcast, that uh, they're handing out four awards at that gala, and I will be the recipient of one of them. I was so surprised to uh, that this little project that uh, I'm doing in my home office, uh, the FSR Sark Fighter podcast has been so helpful to the cause that when they have an awards gala and it's the first one they have, they they thought of me as someone being worthy to receive one of these awards, and uh, I am just, uh, I'm just flabbergasted and humbled, and and that's uh, that's about all I want to say about that. I, I mean, I'm going to continue to talk about it on the podcast between now and May because I want as many people as possible to be aware and to go to the gala because I want to meet as many of you in person as possible. But I I don't feel super comfortable saying, hey, look at me, I won this award. On the other hand, I can't really invite you to the gala without mentioning that. But what I can do is I can tell you about the other three honorees. Uh, And so the other honorees are uh, the Sarcoidosis Crystal Award for Excellence in Research and Clinical Care will go to Marjolene Drent, MD and PhD, FSR Scientific Advisory Board member and Professor Emeritus ILD, at the Faculty of Health Medicine and Life Sciences at the Maastricht University uh, in the Netherlands, and a guest senior researcher at the ILD Center of Excellence in, uh, in also in the Netherlands. So, wow, right? Then there's the FSR Crystal Community Engagement Award that goes to George A. Mensa, MD and FACC, the director of the Center for Transplant uh, Translation Research and Implementation Science at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. Okay, and that's amazing. And yeah, you know, th- this is so far above my head in terms of of these researchers and and the brain power that you must have to reach that level. Um, and so. 
uh, to think of myself being in in uh, receiving award at the same time as these people is incredible. And I would say the same for uh, the Crystal Spotlight Award, which goes to Gerald Prescott Galian, who is an actress, big time, best known for her roles in AMC's The Walking Dead, the DC Universe's The Swamp Thing, where she played Madame Xanadu, uh, Netflix's Resort to Love, and most recently, All the Queen's Men. Uh, also, she's been on BET+, and she is a sarcoidosis advocate and spokesperson for FSR's Ignore No More African American Women and the Sarcoidosis National Campaign. So those are the other three honorees, and this is just such an honor, and I just really hope you'll consider uh, joining me and the other honorees at the gala in Washington, D.C., which is coming up on May 24th. There's a link in the show notes, and if you want more information, go to the FSR website. I also want to remind you that our fellow SARC fighter Royce Robertson is doing a fundraising bike ride this summer that will take three days to complete as he rides about 70 miles a day from Buffalo, New York to Syracuse, New York. He is calling this Cycle for Sark. That's Cycle with a numeral four and then Sark, Cycle for Sark. And if you've been listening, you know that I had hoped to join him on this bike ride. I talk about cycling a lot on the podcast. I, I hope that's okay with you, but it's an important part of my life. In fact, I got out this past weekend. We had a beautiful day here in March. Don't want to uh, get sidetracked here, but if, you, if you've been listening, you also know that there were too many scheduled conflicts. So I won't be joining him, but I have made a donation, and I want to continue to support him by bringing what he's doing to light here on the podcast and on my social media channels. And I really hope this grows into a movement in support of FSR and that someday there will be a whole group of us riding along the old Erie Canal, the Barge Canal, in New York State and fundraising for sarcoidosis. But and and you're still he is still looking for people to join him uh, this year, but I can't do it. So but I have made a donation to his account, which is part of KISS, kick in to stop sarcoidosis. I am asking you to do the same thing. All the information to donate is in the show notes, or you can go to the FSR website and then there's a drop down there that says join team KISS. And then if you scroll down, you'll see Royce's page called Cycle for Sark. So since I can't be there to ride with Royce, I'm doing all I can to get him some support. So let's do it, folks. Let's make a donation, no matter how big or how small. The idea is to support somebody who is raising money in support of all of us. Okay, so now to today's interview. Tony Haskell's body just seemed to be shutting down on him. He didn't know why, and when you hear about all he does, it's kind of amazing because you would think that if you were super fit and super active and you ate reasonably well, that you would not be attacked by sarcoidosis, that your body would just fend it off. Well, once again, Sark intervened and has tried to sideline this man whose life literally, other than work, revolves around being active and enjoying the outdoors. And Tony Haskell's story is next here on the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. I feel like a zombie just feeding that stumble and 
Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. Joining me now is fellow Sark Fighter, Tony Haskell. Tony, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you, John. It's, it's a pleasure uh, to finally connect with you, and I've learned a lot from your podcast uh, since I'm fairly new to this game. It's It's been a real educational tool for me to understand a little bit more. Well, I'm I'm glad that uh, the podcast has has been helpful. So you started scratching around, found the podcast, what, about nine months ago when you found out that there was a word called sarcoidosis? <laughs> I actually, uh, I, I Googled uh, podcasts on the subject after I had my uh, procedure for the uh, defibrillator pacemaker, um, just because I'm a huge podcast fan and, and figured uh, there's got to be something on this. And lo and behold, there was, and it's been, you know, it's been a great tool for me to understand it more and, and, and the people behind it. Great. When did you find out? Where, first of all, you have cardiac sarc, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. When did when did you find out, and how did you find out? Uh, okay, kind of a little bit of a convoluted story. I, I might back up from there uh, just to give you a little bit of context and the listeners a little bit of context. So when I was in freshman year in college, um, I was foolishly trying out for the hockey team. Um, that lasted a, a few days before they. They said, uh, thanks very much, but no thanks. But the the doctor there um, diagnosed me with a heart murmur. So that's the first time that I had something cardiac where, you know, half the country has a heart murmur. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but then in about 2007 or eight, um, I felt some numbing in my left forearm. And uh, my, my best friend from college is, uh, is in the cardiac uh, pulmonary uh therapy up at Columbia Presbyterian and he had me go up there right away. And I was diagnosed with a, with a, several different things by cuspid aortic valve, hmm. uh, a mitral valve prolapse uh, and uh, left branch block, which basically means that sooner or later I'll need a valve replacement. It could be next year. Or it could be 20 years from now. So, so I've been seeing a cardiologist since about 2007, uh, 2008 up at Columbia for, for many years now. So that, that in the context of, you know, I, I would always just get checked out at least annually uh, to make sure everything was, was going okay. Yeah. But with that said, um, this all happened pretty quickly. I, um, uh, during COVID uh, I was up with uh, a twin brother and two older brothers and my twin brother and one of the older brothers has, both have places up in Stratton, Vermont. So there was about 10 or 11 of us up in Stratton for, for many months. And, um, you know, I've been cycling for, you know, over a decade, um, but I got more serious uh, during the time up in Vermont, just because there wasn't that much to do. Good thing and, to do during a pandemic is to ride a bike, isn't it? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, not, you and I were talking before we started this, but um you know, I would bike from the top of Stratton to Okemo around Bromley. These are some serious hills and some pretty big, uh, some pretty big rides. And um, so I, I got into really good shape. Um, and 
during this time, I, I have a good friend out in San Francisco. He and his wife moved out there several years ago, and I used to ride with him when he, when he was on the East Coast. And he got me into getting some more sophisticated gear for my bike. Uh, and I, I'm just giving you this in context. Uh, sure. uh, Garmin. Uh, you got me on the Garmin, which basically tracks your cadence, your speed, your how much you're climbing, and also got me wearing a heart monitor. Um, which I had never worn before. Mm -hmm. And he also got me into Strava, uh, uh, which is an app for uh, cyclists and runners and athletes, pretty much like a social media app, but for athletes. And uh, I've got all of those, all all three of those things I have. Yeah. And that's how I found Royce uh, on, on Strava, who was a a prior uh, person that you interviewed. So long story short, um, I was up in Vermont and had all this started using Strava and the Garmin and heart monitor. And then also for my birthday, which is up there, I got an Apple watch, um, which uh, I, I, I wore when I slept to, to understand my sleep patterns and Mm -hmm. uh, try to understand that. And it would also have my heart resting heart rate. There you go. Yeah. Um, And for those that can't see John wears one as well. Yeah. So I was kind of getting to be a real data geek and um, I think that really saved me here because I would say in June of last year, um, I started noticing when I'd, I'd get all these alerts on my watch that my that my heart rate was falling below 40. Just um, when you were sitting around then? When I was sitting around, but, but a lot of the times when I was sleeping, you know, my, my heart rate would I'd get these dings on my on my watch your heart rate's going below uh, 40. And then oftentimes it was at 30. And, um, and so, and I also felt uh, when I would be doing these, remember I have all these data, all this data from my rides that I was doing in 2020, 21, you know, then on the indoor bike uh, when I was at the gym, just uh, where, where everything was recorded in terms of my heart rate, my cadence, uh, you know, how efficiently uh, I was doing it and everything else. And then I started noticing that um, I would get up from a table and I'd be just a little bit dizzy. Um, and I signed up for this 100-mile charity ride up in in Middlebury, Vermont, for the Kelly Brush Foundation, which I do uh, along with another charity. I kind of flip-flop, uh, and I do it with a bunch of friends up there. And um, so I started tra- training for this. And I usually do, you know, aside from the charity ride, I, I do one or two other hundred mile rides, but gearing up for, you know, on the weekends, anywhere from 50 to 80 mile. Right. Just, just go out and ride your bike 50 to 80 miles. And when you're in top shape, a hundred miles in one sitting in one day. Right. Right. And I noticed that uh, during the week when I was doing, you know, 20, 30 mile training rides that I I started having difficulty. Um, I started, I, I could tell that my, my effort wasn't um, up to par with when I could see on my Strava what, what I had done in prior rides. And also it got to a point where I'd have to stop every five minutes because I was so heavily fatigued and dizzy, um, like really, really heavily fatigued and dizzy. So during this time, I, I started, you know, I went to my cardiologist. They did an EKG. They did a, uh, uh, you know, they I I remember them going uh, going in there and uh, you know checking my heart rate and they said you know your heart rate's at thirty and I said yeah that's why I'm here <laughs> and uh, so uh, they couldn't find anything with the EKG um, I 
you know, then when I went to go see an ear, nose and throat doctor, I thought it was because of my deviated septum. I was couldn't, couldn't breathe. I even went in to get a couple of COVID tests because I thought maybe I had COVID and I have long COVID and I didn't even realize it. I, I just couldn't figure out what this was. And so, so time passed along into July and then into August. And at this point, I I just was really having a lot of difficulty. Like I, I, I remember going out for one ride. I literally went like three miles and turned right back and I just cannot figure it out. So the, the time came for me, it was the weekend after, uh, uh, Labor Day. And I went up to Vermont for this ride and I did, I did the 25 mile ride. There's no way I could do the hundred mile ride. And, uh, I struggled on it and I came back and I was scheduled for a stress test. And, um, I went in for the stress test and didn't even make it to go have the stress test because they take your, uh, your, uh, uh, blood pressure as well as your, as your, uh, pulse. And it, my, my blood pressure was way too high and my heart rate was way too low. And they said, too dangerous to do this. We, we, we understand what is wrong with you now. And it was a heart block, which I knew meant that I was probably going to need a pacemaker. And I talked to my best friend, you know, who works at Columbia and, you know, he's cagey because he doesn't want to tell me anything without me seeing the cardiologist, but pretty much we, we knew that I was looking at a, a, a pacemaker. So, um, I was scheduled for, to get a pacemaker on September 28th at Columbia. And, um, that was a Tuesday, I believe, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. And the prior Thursday or Friday, I went in for a cardiac MRI because they just wanted to check all the bases. And so, you know, the weekend goes along and I haven't gotten the test results back. And then my cardiologist, his office uh, says uh, that Dr. Lee would like to see you at her office at five o'clock the night before on my procedure. <laughs> and I said, you know, th this is, this can't that, be good. I can't be good. Yeah. So, uh, so mm -hmm. I go in there and she explains exactly what I have, which is obviously I've never heard of this before. And, um, and also due to some insurance situation because in the month and we wanted to get this done in the month of September, she said, I want you to leave here right now. And I want you to go to immediately the emergency room. Um, and I was like, all right, I'll just drive there. Leave the doctor's office and go to the ER. Yeah. Which nobody wants to do, but okay. Uh, I, uh, it was, it was due for a variety of reasons, but I said, fine, I'll, I'll drive there. She goes, no, you can't drive there. You got to have someone drive me. I was like, I'll take the train in. She's like, no, you can't take the train in because my heart rate was down at, you know, I, I went into the emergency room and, um, and they weren't messing around. They, they got me up there like lickety, lickety split. And there's about eight doctors waiting for me. The elevator opened up and really? they were. So she, she had called ahead on your behalf. It called ahead, but basically once they saw my heart rate down at around 26, 27, they, they weren't going to mess around. Yeah. And the doctors were pretty shocked that I was talking like I'm talking to you right now and standing and having a conversation yeah. uh, with that heart rate. So long story short, they, um, uh, or, or, and she also said, uh, let me back up for one second. During that meeting, she said, we're going to have to change the, the device from a pacemaker to a defibrillator pacemaker. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning exactly what the differences are and why, uh, and obviously Googling as fast as I can to, to figure out what exactly this is. And, um, 
And so that, that was long story short, you know, I went in that night, was in ICU that night and then had the procedure the next day. And since we did it, had the procedure done uh, late that afternoon, I stayed over that night and then I, I walked out the next day and felt fine. Yeah. And, Hmm. and, uh, and then after that, I, um, they wanted me to recover for, you know, you, you know, you can't do anything with your left arm for, you know, I couldn't do pushups. I couldn't do weight work. You know, they didn't want me doing anything for at least a couple of weeks hmm. and then kind of back to normal, except that after about a month or so, uh, I went on a beta blocker and then, uh, the first week in January, I went in for a PET scan because they wanted to see how active the SARC was. And so they um, knew you had SARC. That was what was blocking. That's that what caused the electrical the blockage. That's what caused the electrical issue between the top and the bottom of the heart. Yes. Okay. So it was it was in your heart itself. It wasn't in a valve. It was causing an electrical. You, the top and bottom were supposed to talk to each other, and it was essentially blocking that signal. Right. That's right. That's okay. right. Okay. So they knew that, but you walked out. You had the pacemaker with the defibrillator. And they put you on beta blockers, which which happens fairly often when whenever right. there's a situation like that, um, right. with or without sarcoidosis. So then the, now you're up to the PET scan, and they're looking. There, so my doctor wanted, to, you know, as as you know, there's debate amongst the the community, the medical community, as to how to treat um, SARC, and they wanted to be fairly conservative if they could and not put me on prednisone, but they did the patch scan and, and, um, and another EKG and they didn't like what they saw. So they put me on uh prednisone starting, uh, at, at 40 milligrams and then tapering from there. Um, and then put me on, uh, let's see what else, uh, Fosamax, Celsept, uh, I'm now on, uh, Entresto, um, so, so, you know, I, I take a cocktail of drugs every day. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I need an Excel spreadsheet to, uh, to sort it all out. Right. Right. And that's where I'm at, uh, right now I've, I'm, I'm tapered down significantly on the prednisone. So, um, you know, the side effects, I feel like I've, I've put on probably about eight pounds or so, which I guess in the long and short of it, it's not that big of a deal. Um, right. family and friends say they can't see it, but, but I can, I can certainly feel it. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's where I'm at now. So yeah, as a gym guy, you'll notice eight pounds faster than, than anybody else will for sure. Um, I put on, I put on over 20, I was taking 80 milligrams and, uh, that was hard. That was hard to lose afterwards. Even, even though I tried to be, and I would say for the most part, continued to be reasonably active initially, but yeah, so it's, that's 80 milligrams. Pardon me. 80 milligrams is a, is double what I started at. So that, that's a lot. That's a lot. So what is, so walking around and everything right now, you're okay. Like you, you get up in the morning and you take all this medicine, which you don't like, but, but otherwise you're, you're reasonably okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, I feel, you know, sometimes I feel a little bit fatigued. I don't know if that's cause I'm 55 and I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to feel a little more fatigued. It's aging. Yeah, it's aging. And, um, but I have a feeling some of it's from the side effects of of everything I'm taking, which I think is normal. And if that's the worst side effect, you know, I have a cup of coffee and and uh, get through the day. Um, 
and other than that, you know, I, I go to the gym every day and do different exercises or, you know, do long walks and here and there. And, and, um, I, I feel very lucky in terms of, um, you know, maybe it's because I'm still at the outset of combating this. I know there's, you know, listen to your podcast that there's others who have been dealing with this for many years and it's an up and down journey. Uh, um, but where I'm at right now, I feel pretty good uh, of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Does your doctor believe that it is controlled and permanently controlled? Um, I, I, I lost you there for one second because you froze. Sure. Does your doctor believe that this is controlled? I haven't asked her that. Um, I don't think they believe anything's controlled until they see it controlled and the inflammation down. I mean, uh, I'm on all these cocktail of drugs to, to reduce the inflammation and to hopefully, you know, put it in recession, but I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. When will you get another heart scan where they can look at it and do a comparison to the last one? Yeah. I'm, I'm having a PET scan, uh, at the end of April. Soon so, then, because we're right now we're talking March 20th. 2023 for yeah, probably in, in, in literally just scheduled today this morning so uh i believe it's april 28th i'll have my next pet scan yeah and you uh are fortunate enough to live near really good skiing in vermont you've skied a fair amount this winter and it hasn't been too bad hasn't been too bad i um i haven't skied as much as i'd like probably because the conditions haven't been that great but we did get a great powder day i think it was during uh president's day weekend uh and i was skiing with uh, two of my brothers and, you know, a lot of powder. Um, I, I definitely felt more winded um, than perhaps I normally would, but I, I felt pretty good out there. I, I, I have not been out West uh, this year or last year, which I think with the altitude out there would have definitely tested me in terms of, of uh, how I would do, but otherwise, you know, skiing as strong as I, I normally would and, uh, I've blown two ACLs, so probably not doing as many moguls as 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 before, but uh, otherwise skiing pretty hard. Yeah, that's good. And it's good to hear that that everything is okay and your defibrillator has not gone off then. <laughs> no, no, it has not. <laughs> I had a little bit of issues where they had to tweak it uh, probably a week, you know, twice uh, after the procedure because there were some issues. One when I was out to lunch and one when I was sleeping were – you know, this thing was cranking up at like 170 and my heart rate was like 170 for mm. you know, a couple hours, two, three hours at a time. So they had to tweak it and I have had, you know, no, no further problems from that point on. Gotcha. So let's back up and talk a little bit about you in particular. You live in Connecticut. Right. I, I, I moved to Greenwich, Connecticut from New York City uh, in August of 21. I pretty much after college, uh, I, I, I went with my best friend who was the guy who, who was at Columbia to be a ski hockey bum out in Aspen, Colorado for a year. And then uh, I grew up in the Westchester area, came back to to that area and got a, a job in the media business. And pretty much aside from three years in Los Angeles uh, and uh, the year in Colorado and then another year in Boulder uh, with a, a ski skiing and Warren Miller properties, um, I've been on the Upper West Side in, in New York. But I think when I came back from Vermont, uh, during COVID, I I just said I'm ready for a switch out of the city, and and so I've been here since August of 2021. Here is in Connecticut. 
correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and so how has sarcoidosis impacted your daily life with family, siblings, whatever? How, how has it changed what you're up against? You know, it really hasn't impacted me yet. Um, I, I think when I had to explain everything to my family, obviously they were concerned. Um, it's it's not the easiest uh, thing to to explain to someone because I'm still searching for answers. I don't have all the answers. Um, it's going to be an ongoing, um, you know, thing we're all going to have to deal with. Uh, and and there's going to be, uh, again, just learning as much as I can, there's going to be some twists and turns in the road. I don't think this is something that's ever going to a hundred percent go away. Hopefully it goes in recession and then, you know, I can forget about it, but I don't think it's a hundred percent going away. Um, so in that regard, just explaining it to friends and family is, um, has been a, has been a challenge just to have everyone kind of get their, their arms around it. But in terms of my, my daily life, um, aside from just feeling a little bit fatigued and, and, um, you know, uh, maybe just a little bit out of breath sometimes hasn't really affected me yet. It, it, it's, I, I haven't had any, um, you know, uh, mental or emotional impacts yet. I, I, I forget the name of the woman that you had uh, on here, I think last time, uh, where she, you know, had a lot of a, a side effects. She also has, I believe, four young kids. Yeah, Sam. Sam Wassel. Yeah, which is certainly a, a, a tough thing to go through. But I haven't I haven't had that situation. I've just been kind of been pretty much clear eyed here. It's like, you know, what do I need to do to move forward and just do it? Um and and uh been very I haven't had any really any lows about this. It's just like let's let's get this procedure done and whatever I have to do, let's just let's just do it. Let's go. So you had told me earlier that you feel like now that winter is ending and you'll be back outside riding your bike, that's when you will know for sure. Is that fair? Think, is that is that how you feel? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair enough. I think, I mean, I don't want to predict what's going to happen, but I I think because um, my heart rate is artificially low due to the, the drugs I'm taking, that I don't think my performance will be what it would have been a year or two ago. And I think I just have to be fine with that. You know, I, I just want to be out there, uh, uh, riding my bike and, and, um, you know, enjoying being out there and not be so concerned with, you know, what, what my miles per hour are and what my friends are doing on Strava. And, you know, it's, it's, as you know, with cycling, it's more about competition with yourself than is anyone else, unless you're a racer or something like that. For sure. For sure. And, and so if I ride the same, route three or four times in a row. Every time I ride it, I'm trying to do it a little bit faster than I did it the time before. And I think I, to me, that's just human nature. Maybe, maybe some people can go and, and I really do enjoy just being outdoors and so forth and, and looking at the scenery, but performance at some level is also important to me. Right. Yeah. yeah you want to be at a certain, I mean, you're, you're, you're out there to enjoy yourself but at the same time. Um, you know, you, you, you want to perform well on the bike because if you're working out and stuff, that's, that's the whole goal of it is to, is to be better. Yeah, for sure. So you, you don't really know, I mean, you're less than a year since diagnosis. You don't really know if 
the sarcoidosis is getting worse or staying the same. Um, you, you know, so far the medicine and the pacemaker have combined and they work, but other people listening will say, oh, well, what happens if he has a flare, which has happened to, unfortunately, to most of us where, where sarcoidosis doesn't just go away on its own and self-resolve. Are you worried about that? Right. No, um, I can't be worried with something I can't control right now. I just can't. Um, you know, I, I say that perhaps naively because it hasn't happened yet, but um I can only control what I can control. And if, if that takes place, uh, then, then I'll have to deal with it then. Um, but I, it's not something I'm going to be worried about or in the back of my mind, um, moving forward. I, you know, for me, at least it's hard to live that way. For sure. So when do you get back on the bike? When, when do you think you'll have, do you, do you think, well, let me ask you this, when you get back on the bike, when the weather's warmer, I know that, which is coming soon. It's got to, and then you've got this um, PET scan coming up at the end of April. Between the two, by May, you're going to know how you're how you're doing. Yeah, I mean, usually the beginning. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of friends that that bike outside in the winter. I'm I'm kind of a wimp. I don't like biking it. <laughs> but um, you know, I think by I'll 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 have a good. I know what my metrics are uh, inside on the bike in terms of power meter and endurance and i'll get a good feel for it after two or three rides to see how i'm doing and and um you know if i'm struggling then i'll just try to improve from there um there's not much i can do about it i i i don't forecast that i'll be as strong as i was a year ago or, or a year and a half two years ago mm -hmm. but um but you never know we'll see i mean I, it's not like i haven't been you know trying to, to stay in shape um it's just you know, I'm combating something that I wasn't combating before. Right. Well, look, I just want to say thank you for, for joining us. We wish you uh, all the best. Let's hope that you don't have to continue to tell your sarcoidosis story to friends, family, or, or the rest of the world and that you get out there and everything's fine. Well, I appreciate it, John. Again, uh, I hope I can meet you uh, sometime in person and, and join uh, Royce for one of his rides. Um, I really do appreciate all that I've learned from your podcast. You're doing a great service for folks that that have this. Uh, you know, there's not that many of us that have this, but for those that do, it's been a, a real uh, learning experience. And, and I, I give all credit to you for, for starting this. Uh, so I really appreciate it. I feel like a zombie Just feeding at stumbling Thanks to Tony for sharing his story, and let's hope his bout with sarcoidosis stays under control and that that pacemaker makes all the difference. Again, he, uh, he will get his real first test of how he's feeling now that the weather is breaking where he lives, and he'll get back on the bicycle. And that bike is, like I tell you, it's a thermometer for me, and I watch my heart rate and I know how I'm feeling against known hills and climbs and rides here in my area in Roanoke, Virginia. And when something's off, that bike will tell me immediately. And that'll be true for Tony as well. So let's wish him all the best. 
And I hope to see as many of you as possible at the Crystal Gala. That's on May 24th in Washington, D.C. And also look for the bonus episode soon as we explore Efsofitamod, the latest drug. It's from Atire to hopefully fight sarcoidosis. And then don't forget... April is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, and there's a lot coming up there from FSR as well, and I'll have uh, an interview with some folks from FSR talking about all that they are doing that will be coming out in the next episode of the FSR Sarcfighter podcast. The official Sarcfighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards in Canada. And you can hear Mark's story, the, the, the story that created those lyrics in episode 12. And occasionally I do play the entire song for you. I, and if you want to go back and listen to episode 41, you get to hear the whole song at the end. Remember, I release the Sark Fighter podcast every other Monday. As I'm speaking to you today, my trusty dog, Dougal, a rescue boxer from the SPCA, is curled up on the chair in my office. He is sound asleep and paying no attention to what I am saying today. The backstory to the founding for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson, who started it at their kitchen table. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I'm on Peloton as Sarkfighter. My cycling blog, Carl and the Cyclist, has a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis. You might want to check that out. If you're new here and you're just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart, and my story is episode one. If you want to contact me, send me an email, carlinagency at gmail.com. There's a link in the show notes. I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show. If you share it on your social media and if you like it, Just tell one person. That really helps. Give the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your downloads. And until next time, keep fighting.
your life It's not the why, but the how That plagues my mind A new perspective Appreciate what you've got With dead men walking in an instant It could be gone And I don't know what will come Look for silver linings But still I find none The worst potential Darken 